today to get the public to attend a picture show. It's not enough to advertise a famous star they know. If you want to get the crowds to come around, you gotta have a glorious technicolor, breathtaking cinemascope, and stereophonic sound. If folks today could witness Valentine's Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of Thinking Aloud about film. I'm here with Richard, and very, very jealous because I wasn't <laughs> able to go to Cinema Ritrovato this year. Uh, I had everything paid for <laughs> and had to give it all up. Uh, so nonetheless, I'm very glad that we have Richard here who did go for uh, the whole uh, of the Ritrovato. Ritrovato is very large, so he hasn't been able to see everything. But hello, Richard, tell us what you, what you specialized in. They showed 450 films yeah. in this year's Ritrovato. I saw roughly 40 films. They count everything as a film, including, you know, a silent film that's 30 seconds yeah. long, you know. In terms of, like, let's call it a session, you know, that might be a feature or might be a short and a feature or might be a bunch of shorts. There's probably about 250 events, something like that. I, and I saw quite a diverse range of things. There were a couple of strands that I did focus on and saw other things around that. Um, I think one of the interesting things about the festival is you can have a different people would have had a completely different experience. I'm sure equally as good, but a completely different experience to me. Okay, so that brings us to the time machine. Every year, uh, Ritrovato does a, a century of cinema. So this year would have been 1923. So I saw a couple of 1923 films. Um, they, w one of the things they do every year is, is show a, a silent serial from, from that year. And this year it was The, the House of Mystery, which is a, a ten-part French serial. I only saw one part of, but I really enjoyed it. It, it was uh, the previous serials they've shown have tended to be... Uh, slightly trashy and incomprehensible <laughs> this was all you know it's a, it's a serial there are false beards there are you know people go missing people get wrongly accused etc etc i only saw episode six and i understood what was happening which is is unusual for one of these serials and it kind of felt like a real film uh -huh. um, so it felt a bit like a you know 1923 netflix serial rather than a kind of cliffhanger based thing along with the, the time machine they also have a section of the programming that they call the Space Machine. Mm. And this year, there were uh, uh, programs on the cinema of Tenosuke Kinugasa, uh, the cinema, the Cinema Libero section, which I know you, you tend to follow. Uh, also, Effie Mikesh, which I'm a great fan of, and I'm sorry I missed that. And German Exile Comedies from 1934 to 1936 and uh, Leopold Lindberg. Did you attend any of those? So I, I didn't see any of the German exile comedies, but I heard that was very interesting. Last year, they had a, a series of, of early 30s German musicals. So, Which were fabulous. Yeah, yes. so sort of pre-Nazi pre German films of the early 30s. And this really was a follow-up because this is what did some of those directors do um, when they'd been exiled from Germany? So I kind of regret not having seen any of those because it, it, it did sound like an interesting series and, and all you know, films I'd never heard of. The main one that I saw a lot of from that section was the, the Cinema Libero section, which I, I looking at the programme on my way home, I realised I'd actually seen every feature film in, in that 
section, which is the, the only section that I saw everything in. Okay, so what stood out? So there was a number of um, film, new film foundation restorations, which hope, hopefully will, uh, you know, will appear in the places these film foundation restorations normally appear in. There was a couple of really interesting American films, um, which were virtually lost American independent films. Uh, one called Bushman and one called Time of the Heathen. Uh, so Bushman was uh, late sixties, early seventies. And it's about a Nigerian guy who um, emigrates to the United States um, and he's he's an intellectual. He's hanging around with with student radicals. Um, It's it was reminiscent of some of those um, dramas about immigration that we've seen, which were largely set in Paris. This one obviously was different because it's set in in, in the United States, but it it was a fascinating film. It's only about 70 minutes long and about 15 minutes from the end, something happens, <laughs> which yeah. I'm not going to say what it is. Something happens that I've never seen done in this way in any film ever. Um, and it's amazing. I don't know, I'll, I'll say no more than that. <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, the, the other one was Time of the Heathen, uh, which again was a, a kind of lost American film, early 60s in this case. Um, starts off as a kind of civil rights drama it's about a white drifter in the southern united states who is wrongly accused of murdering a, a black housemaid who's actually been assaulted by the son of the family she works for um, and he goes on the run with the with the son of the housemaid um, and it, it's kind of re- reminding me a little bit of night of the hunter something like that uh-huh. and again another 70 minute american lost indie film which 10 minutes from the end does something completely unexpected because in this one it's black and white um 10 minutes from the end the drifter is shot in the arm and has a hallucination which is in color um and it kind of reminded me of the like the almost the the star child sequence from 2001 or something it's so unexpected in that kind of film and the it, it explains why he is a drifter and I won't say what that is either, because no one will ever guess what, yeah. what that explanation is. But both, both those films, I mean, they'd make a brilliant double bill and, and hopefully both will will, will surface on, on movie or, or somewhere. I know Bushman is being shown at Cinema Rediscovered in Bristol this year. So There were another two films there, so, so two Iranian films, um, uh-huh. which were fascinating, directed by Baram Bezai, I think it's pronounced, who was the director of Downpour, which we did a podcast on probably a couple of years ago, if you remember. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and those were, similarly to Chess of the Wind, kind of um, holy grail, lost Iranian, pre, lost pre-revolutionary Iranian films that were only circulating on very poor VHS copies, um, both being amazingly restored from the original negatives. They kind of, again, make an interesting double bill. And um, Stranger and Fog is about a, um, a mysterious man who... Um, arrives wounded on a boat in this kind of rural community. It's a very odd mystical film, uh, and it, it, visually it's amazing. Similarly, The Ballad of Tara is a more kind of feminist version of the same idea. So uh, this woman inherits a sword from her grandfather, and a mysterious ghostly figure appears and falls in love with her. Again, completely banned. It was only officially screened once at the Cannes Film Festival, never been screened in Iran, in Iran, only available on very poor VHS copies. So but both of these were, were excellent and, and again, hopefully we'll, we'll get 
some kind of release and given that downpour is available in the, the digital version i mean that's three films that's enough for a season right <laughs> yeah 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 um so did you manage to catch any of the uh restored films yeah quite a few of those so um and some of the highlights was a man's castle which is a, a pre-code with Spencer yeah, yeah. yes and that's that's a new restoration it, it it's uh, reverses many of the, the cuts that were made in previous versions. It's a really great film. I'm really sorry I missed it, actually, because, you know, it's one of those depression films that kind of really shows the hardship of the life. And nonetheless, it's incredibly romantic. Yeah, yeah. And it's quite brutal. He, yeah, he's awful. I, I mean, Spencer Tracy yeah. is a terrible man in this. Yeah. So, you know, the combination of all of those things and how it makes you feel is really lovely. So I'm really yeah. glad. I'm very eager to see a restored version of it. What else did I see? Cross of Iron, Sam Peckinpah. That was a, uh -huh. another another great film. Try the Beloved Country, which is very interesting. Have you, have you seen that one? No, I've heard of it. Is that yeah. the one about race? Yeah, so it's a, it's a British film filmed in South Africa, or, well, the location stuff is South Africa. Um, but interestingly, despite being filmed in South Africa, it's a kind of critique of, of apartheid and segregation. Um, Sidney Poitier is in it. Um, it it's, yeah, Zoltan Korda is, is the director. That, that was fascinating, uh, really worth seeing if you get the chance. Kian Sabe, or Bullet for the General, um, Spaghetti Western, again, restoring various cut footage. In this trend, the films that I'm most sorry I wasn't able to see, just because I'm such a huge fan, are the Lubitsch, uh, the Marriage Circle, and Lady Windermere's Fan, which, you know, I love both of them, particularly Lady Windermere's Fan, which I think is, you know, a, a, an example of some of the most inventive direction I've seen in the whole history of cinema, really. Yeah, yeah, so I, I saw Lady Windermere's Fan. That was supposed to be shown in, in, outside in the square uh, with an orchestra on a day when it was raining. Um, and I don't really like seeing films in the square. I don't, I don't find it a great environment. It's not conducive to concentration. No, exa it? exactly, because people are walking around, the noise is... is and for, when there's a live accompaniment, the acoustics aren't great. So because it was raining, they, they moved the screening into one of the Bologna theatres. Um, and so we, we saw it in this very nice theatre with a, with a full orchestra. Um, and yeah, the, the, the restoration looks amazing. The score is amazing by, uh, I think, Timothy Brock did the score. Um, and yeah, I re really enjoyed that. I'd, I'd never seen the film before. I first saw this film about, I don't know, 25 years ago, really, in Paris. And uh, they had a special event with the film and then the live accompaniment, which was just a jazz drummer. That was it. Right, yeah? right. So the drummer improvised all the accompaniment to the film. Yeah. And it was like a spectacular Yeah, event, yeah. Really. Every time I see this film, I'm more and more admiring. I mean, the guts to do a film with, you know, a play that has some of the most famous dialogue in the English language, to do it silent and to not use dialogue from the play in the intertitles is so incredibly brave and daring. The other song that they showed with an orchestra was uh, Stella Dallas, which we, we talked about um, the, the, other, the other week. And it, it was again with... with um, uh, with Stephen Horne's um, orchestral score. But this, this time, Stephen actually got a credit, unlike the film Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there were also restorations of all kinds of things, we must say. So 
uh, a lot of Jermaine Dulac films, a lot of D.W. Griffith films. Ritrovato is central to a lot of the restoration work uh, that is being done uh, internationally. Did you see any of the Anna Magnani films? I did, yeah. They, they always have a, a strand focused on a, on a kind of iconic star, and which this year was Anna, Anna Magnani. I, I enjoyed the ones I saw. I would say I, I didn't feel that strand had the impact that previous strands have had, because previously it's been, you know, Jean Gabin, Sophia Red, and Ronnie Schneider, people who had a kind of career where they came from, and also a big international career. I mean, Anna Magnani did have an international career, but not in a huge way. She definitely had a huge international career, right? She was Oscar nominated and she won the Oscar, I believe, for the Rose Tattoo. So, you know, in 1950s parlance, she's an international star. She made several Hollywood films, you know, Oscar, huge success. Uh, then, of course, in Italy, she had a much broader career because you know, she did a lot of comedy, which comedy is not what she's known for uh, in her international career. You know, I would have liked to have seen some of those, though it is telling that they didn't use her in the poster, which they normally do. The, the poster was odd because they, they used a still from, uh, or a photo from Bullet for the General, with, and the only real recognisable person on that is Klaus Kinski. It was, it was, it was a good image, but, every, but a lot of people were saying, what, what film is that from? I don't, I, don't know why, I don't know why they're using that. I see now that part of the program of the Anna Magnani films were these comedies. They showed uh, uh, De Sica's Teresa Venerdi. They showed Abbasso la Ricchezza, which is a sequel to Abbasso la Pobrezza. They showed some Zampa films, Lo, Lo, Lo le Angelina, The Honorable Angelina. I mean, I would have loved to have seen uh, all of those. They showed some uh, uh, Multisogni per la Strada, the Mario Camerini film. I mean, those are films that people outside of Italy would not have had much of an opportunity to see and which are central to her career. I particularly love the Rossellini episode that she did in, the, uh, in L'Amore, The Human Voice. It's, uh, it's based on the Cocteau play and every major actress seems to have had a go at it. Simone Signore, Ingrid Bergman. And of course, it's the basis for Almodovar's Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I would have loved to, to have had the opportunity to see that. And of course, Lucino Visconti's, uh, Lucino Visconti's fantastic Bellissima, which, you know, because he's such a great filmmaker, it's one of the films that are less seen, right? But also, you know, Renoir's La Carrosse d'Or, kind of, you know, and a great classic, really. You know, it really shows like the range of, of her career, and uh, I really would have um, would have loved to have kind of seen that highlighted. So the film I was going to mention uh, is called Nella Città L'Inferno. Um, so it's a set in ah. a women's prison. The the English title was And the Wild Wild Women, which is a much more exciting title. Uh, but it, it's so it's, uh -huh. all, it's all set inside a women's prison. The two leads are Anna Magnani and. Julietta Messina from the, the, the Fellini regular. Um, and so, you know, essentially, like all women's prison films, there are catfights, but you know, the catfight is Anna Magnani versus Julietta Messina, which is, is, is obviously great. Um, and the, yeah, that, that, was, that was really good. Um, there was also a short, so they, they, there was a, one day they showed uh, three episodes from Portmanteau films, and, and one was um, Anna Magnani playing herself 
having an argument about whether or not she could carry her dog in a taxi for free, and that was just really fun. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, a, 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 a good season, a good season. There was also some other Italian films um, in, in that slot. So there's a, a very good one called City on Trial, which was a, a kind of a ma- mafia drama, uh, set a historic mafia drama, essentially this prosecutor who, who goes to war with the mafia and, and tries to put all of the big wigs in this town on, on trial. That was, that was very good. So this brings me to the Mamoulian section. So what did you see there? So I saw quite a few of those. Um, I, I think so the Mamoulian section, I guess, was this, this year's equivalent of the um, Hugo Freganese last year. I think Mamoulian, it wasn't quite the revelation that Freganese was, partly because he's just better known, you know, and, and the films are better known. I ended up seeing quite a few of those. What do you think of Mamoulian? He's good. The, I mean, the films they showed ranged from right, the whole of his career, really. So a couple of very early sound films, um, Applause, which was was great, which is a kind of backstage drama ranging through to uh, Silk Stockings, his, uh, his last film, I think, with, with Fred Astaire. So, yeah, I think, you know, a good, good director. It didn't, it didn't make the case that Freganese did of this being someone with a auteur's touch. He was very proficient. Knew, knew what he was doing with the camera. I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't a revelation. Well, it's, uh, well, for me, I would suppose that the, the, it isn't a revelation because, to me, Mamoulian is such a great filmmaker, and he's got you know yeah, so many yeah. classics already. I mean, Love Me Tonight, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, like so many, that I think this this is yeah, more an yeah. opportunity to see the films at their best rather than. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of them were shown in in vintage prints, uh, and it, it, you know it, it was they they just all all the ones I saw. I didn't see all of them. I saw probably about two thirds of them. Um, all all just mm. worked really really well and were, were very popular in the festival. But as but yeah, as you say, it's sort of you know Freganese. Everyone's like, Freganese, who, who is yes. who is Freganese? Mabulian, so ah. okay, you know, we know, we know who that is. I mean, Silk Stockings in particular went down brilliantly, and, and you know, people were applauding at the end of some I of can imagine. Um, so this brings me to uh, the Powell and Pressburger section, or the Powell section, really. Mostly Powell without Pressburger. So the focus was on, um, and this, this ties in with the BFI. Which begs season. the question, why did you waste your time on them in, in, in Bologna? <laughs> it's, it's, a good, it's a good question, because they, they, they showed, um, mo- not all, but, but quite a few of the, the surviving Powell quota quickies from the 30s. Um, and some of which are okay. <laughs> some of which are fucking awful. Um, yeah, some of which are don't really don't email us. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's completely true. Um, His lordship, dreadful film. I mean, yeah, Michael Powell. Yeah. But said himself, he didn't think his reputation would survive the rediscovery of any more of his quota quickies. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, you know, most of them are not as bad as you think they're going to be, and, and some of them are really, good. some of them are good. You know, um, the the really good ones um, are something always happens, the, and the love test, and I also like Red Ensign. Um, his lordship is terrible. Her last affair is completely incomprehensible. I've seen that twice now, and I kind of almost understand it now. They also showed Edge of the World, which is not a quote a quickie, and obviously it's a much better known film. Um, 
and they had a, a, a new restoration of, of Black Narcissus as shown in the square. Um, why, why Tell me about that, because that is the thing that I, I most regret not having been able to go see, because that must have been stupendous to it, see. It was, but again, as we were saying, the, the square is not a good environment to see a film in. You know? I, I would have loved to see that in the I think, <laughs> I think I think in some ways it's not, but in other ways it is. I mean, so for example, I remember seeing Rocco and his brothers there, you know, and I think it was just magic to be there with like 10,000 yeah, people yeah. responding as one to that. So, I mean, did people in the square get the film? Or they I, I was, I was there for part of it. I, I mean, the first thing I'd say, interestingly, is, well, I mean, you know, it's, as you'd expect, um, Black Narcissus didn't attract the same audience, that, the same size of audience that Rocco and his brothers or something like that did. But yeah, it, it, it looked great. They seemed to be an attentive audience. I, I, I didn't stay for very long because I was tired. So, okay. I mean, start, yeah, these, these screenings in the piazza, they start at 10 at night. And as for why did I go and waste, waste, you said, why did I waste my time seeing Michael Powell films? Um, yes. It's a, good, it's, it's a fair question. I mean, waste, waste your time only in the sense that they're going to be shown again, again here and they're going to be a VFI player. player. Um, yeah, so. Partly, you're sort of, I mean, when you're planning your schedule for the, yeah, because you have to book in advance now. And you, what I tend to do is there'll be like two or three films a day that I really, really, really want to see. So I really wanted to see those Iranian restorations. And there was a Osman Senban restoration. Yeah, there's, there's, there's certain stuff you really want to see. And once you've booked those, that really restricts what else you can see because you have to work out, you know, what timing works out in terms of getting from one cinema to another. Um, all of the pals were at sort of half six, quarter to seven. And it just worked timing wise it worked really well to go and see a film i really wanted to see at four o'clock and then stroll down to the to the chinateca meet a few people who were also going to see the michael powell films watch this rubbish michael powell film sorry uh lost classic <laughs> michael powell film <laughs> and, and then go uh, for dinner i mean it's, it's just because you know part part of the event is is, is the enjoying it as a social event I, my the alternative that i what, what I missed, and I do I do regret this actually, what I missed by, by going to those is there was a, a season of, of Japanese films by the, the guy who directed uh, Page of Madness um, and his, his films ranging from the, you know, the silent era to, to, to Cinemascope. Um, and, and I only saw a couple of those and that's, they were largely on at the same time as the Pals. So I, yeah, so I, 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 I missed some stuff, but it, it just worked out conveniently. Don't judge me. <laughs> ah, well, tell me a little bit more about those Iranian films and the Semben films. So, yeah, saw. I mean, the Iranian films we, we've, we've kind of co covered, I think. But I think you know, Asen Koshpak was introducing those and, and he, uh, you know, he's really doing an amazing thing in terms of, uh, and he, he tweeted about Strange of the Fog before the festival saying, you know, like Chess of the Wind, this will change people's, understanding of, of Iranian cinema and, and I think he's, he's right I mean it strange and fog it reminded me of something like shadows of our forgotten ancestors or something like that just the, the, the look of it and the feel of it it, it was incredible the other films in that strand I saw there, there were two new restorations of African films one called uh, Yamdabo which is, is a, a uh -huh. from Burkina Faso the choice is, is the meaning of that and the, the choice that's made is a family that chooses not to accept international aid and to go elsewhere and find a better life for themselves and that that that, that was 
it's a fascinating film. The other one was, um, I think it's pronounced Chedo, uh, which means The Outsiders, and that's a, an Usman Senban film. We've, we've talked about Mandarby, we've talked about Black Girl. I actually don't think I didn't quite enjoy Chedo as much as those other two films, but it's a fascinating mm. film. It's an African film made by an African director covering the subject of Africans enslaving other Africans and, uh, you know, collaborating with, 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 with some white men to, to do so. And also about religious intolerance. So you have some of the Africans who are uh, Muslims. There are the white Christians who are trying to convert some of the Africans to Christianity. And then there are some of the Africans still following their, 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 their traditional religious practices. And it, it was a, a quite a, um, a, a challenging film in a lot, in a lot of ways, but, but re really worth seeing. And it was introduced by, by Senben's son, um, who was there ah. during the introduction. So actually, you know, having Senben's son there was, was really, really made that a special event. The, an, another excellent film in that strand was called The Dupes. It's a Syrian film and from the from the 70s and again felt incredibly contemporary because it was about three men from different generations what is this guy in his 60s guy in his 40s guy in his 20s um all trying to get from syria to kuwait which they have to do illegally and so that that sort of um study of the studies of migration and how awful things can be was again a, a very sort of um very challenging watch, but it's an incredible film. And in, in attendance at that one was the widow of the author of the novel that the film's based on. He had a 16 millimeter print of the film. Um, he was assassinated by Mossad apparently in, in the mid seventies. And this print of the film has, has traveled around with, with the widow ever, ever since then. And the first time it left her possession was when she sort of gave it to the, the restorer to help as part of the, the restoration project. So again, having her introducing the film was quite an amazing moment. And the, the other one, which again was 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 fascinating, was a film called Layla and the Wolves, um, which I know you, you posted this morning about Shaheen's Jumila the Algerian, and this really put me in mind of that. So it was shown in a double bill. There was a documentary called Palestinian Women, which was a French, uh, a documentary made for French TV but never transmitted about women fighting as freedom fighters in, 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 in Palestine. Uh, Layla and the Wolves is a, a study of the contribution of women to the history of Palestine from 1920 to 1970, made in the early 80s, um, with the same cast members playing different characters at different points in time. And it starts off with this framing device in London, where this woman is at a, she, she goes to an exhibition of photographs of Palestine curated by a man and all the photos are of men and she just says where are the photographs of women and he's like he said i couldn't find any photographs of women but anyway women weren't involved in politics <laughs> and she's like really <laughs> and you then get these flashbacks and it, the one it starts off with is there's a photograph of men fighting in the streets and it cuts to a flashback of men fighting in the streets in 1920 in palestine and the camera then pans up and the women are all, all on the balconies boiling pots of water and throwing rocks and throwing boiling water at the, at the British soldiers and, and, and stuff like that. It's, and, then it, and it does that same thing. There's, a, there's an amazing sequence where the women are uh, preparing for a wedding and there's all these 
European soldiers. Which, oh yeah, we'll let the women prepare for the wedding. We don't need to search them. But they're all, you know, they're making little uh, meatballs or something. And into every meatball, this grandmother inserts a bullet into the middle of the meatball, and they hide guns inside the wedding dress of the bride, and they hide rifles inside a rug, and then they just parade this stuff, singing songs through the the, the barricades, and take it to the people who are going to use it. it it's, a, it's a great film, and, the, and the, so someone had told me the night before, because it was shown twice, and they someone had told said they'd heard it was part funded by Film 4 in the UK, but they couldn't find any reference to that, so I, I stayed for the whole credits to see if Film 4 were mentioned, and they weren't, but it was part funded by the BFI and part funded by the the GLC, the Greater wow. London Council. So, which wow. if, you're, if you're, you know, an aficionado of 1980s British politics, that's it's very interesting that the GLC funded this. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, that that was, fun. and again, a new restoration. So I mean, ho- hopefully these will will be available in, in, in some way. But, it, but you know, I, I saw those, they were great. At the same time, I could, I could have been watching, you know, the season of Swiss dramas or the German exile comedies or, or silent films from 1903. And I'm sure I would have had, you know, just as fulfilling a time. But I did, I'm sure I made the mm. choices because I'm right. I'm always right. <laughs> Let's uh, shift the discussion a little bit uh, before we close because... Uh, I know that you had some problems with the introductions to the films. Uh, so tell me, a, tell me a little bit about what those problems were, but also what the highlights were. Who, you know, who was there, who introduced the films and made yeah. an impression well, on so one, one them? Th- yeah, one of the great things of the festival is you, the background information you get to the films, and so there'll often be an introduction. And so that might cover the film, it might cover the restoration, might cover the star, whatever, or, 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 or all of those. Um, but the, pro- the problem with that is that timing can be very tight to get from one film to another um, because the cinemas are, you know, 10 minutes walk apart. My understanding is the, um, the timing of the festival is based around the introductions being 10 to 15 minutes. So that's, that's what you, when, when you're working out, can I get from this film to that film, you take the length of the film, add 15 minutes, and then you, you work it out from there. There was somewhere that the introduction went on longer and the Sen Ben film went on for longer, but that's his son, you know, I, that's fine. Uh, and the, um, the dupes, the introduction was longer, but the, the background there was just, was just fascinating. Um, there was this, a strand of um, Italian films, some of which were the Anamagnani ones, some of which were, were others, and the, the introduction to those, I'm, I'm not going to name who it was, um, on the podcast, uh, na- name available by email, but, but um, <laughs> those introductions were going on for 25 or 30 minutes. And the person doing the introductions, who was quite a big name, may have introduced herself on the first day, but didn't any other days. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't know who she was. And she just went on and on and on. And, and I saw a number of complaints, not all from me. <laughs> about this because you're sitting there thinking oh, this film is two hours this introduction is half an hour this means that i'm not going to have time to have lunch before the next film or, or whatever these are very first yeah. world problems i appreciate but when you know there's a film you really really want to see that's on at two o'clock and you know that the film you're currently watching is now not going to finish till 145 and you've not eaten since half seven in the morning you know it's it, it just adds to stress and you end up having to make that decision about are you going to leave this film or 
or not. So advice to the festival uh, to be more disciplined. I think be, be more disciplined about it. I think so, some people, I, I'd, I'd single out particularly Asan Koshback is brilliant at giving a, a succinct 10 minute introduction that tells you everything you need to know about the film because this partly because there's so much background information about the films in the program uh, so you know if you want to know more it's there but also there are often separate um events to give more background so the introductions to the michael powell films for instance some of those were quite lengthy but quite interesting but ian christie who did some of those introductions was also doing a panel during the week where, which I, I wasn't at, but apparently a lot of what he said in the introductions was, was in the panel. You don't need to say it twice, say it twice. Yeah. Mm. I just want to highlight that, uh, in my view, the Ritrovato catalogue is a, a massive work mm. of scholarship in its own right and should be recognised as such, actually. De definitely, I think. yeah. Um, and it's like, how many pages? 500 pages, I think. It's huge. But the, good, the other good thing is they do make it the whole thing is available as a PDF. I think they, I think they yes. only make it available. I think it, it's still on the website at the moment, but it will probably disappear. You can buy back issues of the catalogue for, for 25 euros, but you, you get it for free if you buy a pass. And, and it's for people attending the festival for the first time, just bear in mind, you need to have room in your suitcase for <laughs> this massive, thick A4 book that's going to have to go uh. somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, as well as, you know, the cheese and the prosciutto. Yeah. <laughs> Give us some of the highlights of the festival as, as an experience now. So we've, we've talked about some of the films, but how was it to be at the festival this year? It was great. I mean, it, it's, all, it's always a great experience. It struck me that this year it felt like it was back to full capacity. It was last year was the first time that we the were first back, year back uh, yeah. although it had been mm -hmm. done the previous year and it, it it didn't feel as busy last year as it, as it normally was the, this year i mean a lot of the screenings were sold out there were big queues to get in and and, and um but, th but that made it a nice experience the booking system so as has happened every year since covid um you have to pre-book well, you, you you can pre-book for every film you can queue up for last minute entry most films most people got in but very popular films, and particularly the big Hollywoods, yeah, something like Silk Stockings, not everyone got in. But also I think The Stranger and Fog was very, very popular and, and um, not everyone got into that. There's, a, there's an issue that the whole, the full programme and the, so you've got the full programme, it's sort of 500 pages, and you've, you've got the, the diary of when every film is going to be shown, and then you've got the opening of booking. And all of those are, you know, the programme comes out about four hours before booking opens, which is a not a lot of time to read 500 pages, but it's enough time to kind of flick through and work out which strands you want to focus on. Um, but yeah, that, it would be nice to have the program available a few days before booking opens, I think, just so you can make a more more kind of considered decision. But as with last year, you can yeah, you, you can swap your bookings around once you're there. So your, your overall evaluation of this year's festival, how does it compare to other years? Um, I, I thought it was great. I mean, everyone, everyone I spoke to really enjoyed it. Um, I think there was a general opinion that there, there wasn't the kind of big revelation that there was like last year with Fregonese, because I think there was a lot of buzz about that. People were very positive. I mean, the, one, the one film I heard people raving about was, was Bushman. All right. Is there anything else that you want to add that you might have missed out on? I, th I think 
I think the one thing I'd say, and, and this obviously has impacted you, is, is I, th I think it's a real shame that they completely stopped any kind of online event. Um, I mean, you, you weren't able to go. I was, I, I was able to go, but to be honest, up until about a month before, for various reasons, I wasn't com wasn't sure I'd be able to go either. Um, and it, okay, you know, they can't cater for everybody, but it just feels if you look at a festival like um, Hipfest in Bowness has, is now largely in person, but they still maintain that kind of online presence and provide some kind of inclusivity. So there's all sorts of reasons why people can't travel, and you know, it, it feels anti-democratic yeah. today. I mean, once we went through COVID and we saw what was possible uh, and how easy it is to do, then you wonder why don't people do it. I mean, you know, you can't do everything, but you know, if you really have like, I don't know, a historic, a historical c communal kind of basis for doing some of these things, why not show the Germain du Lac, the Griffiths, you know, kind of, you know, you might not want to uh, impinge on the uh, economic potential of the re-release of Love Me Tonight or whatever. But I don't see why they couldn't have put a program together. Yeah, and it, it, for... I, you know, obviously I appreciate you know there are budgets involved, and it, you know, it it does cost money to do that. But then you think, well, okay, but you've as a festival they've obviously got a very close tie with the Film Foundation, for instance, who are doing their regular screenings, or there are people there from Mubi or BFI Player. Or, it or can whatever. be done. There, it yeah. seems to me there are perhaps ways you could partner with an organisation, and it, even even if they're not doing a strands of a festival to say well okay let's do let, yeah let's get a richard Vato section on movie for the for the month or something like that i th I, I do think it's a shame I, I understand why they don't do it um and, and i'm sure part largely it's about budgets there's also i think this um slight attitude of it only really counts if you see something in a cinema and yeah yeah i'd always prefer to see something in a cinema but you can't always do that and I know that the vintage print, vintage prints are vintage. Print. A lot, a lot of these things are vintage prints. Obviously, you can't replicate that online. But the digital restorations, you know, they exist as digital copies. They, from a technical point of view, they could be made available. Obviously, from a rights point of view, it's different. But I, I, I do think that's a shame. Amongst the four hundred odd films that they show, they could have put together a program of twenty or something to show online, right? That would be doable if you can find the funding and maybe find a partner to do it with. But let, let's not end on a down note. It, it, it was another yes. excellent festival, and, and there was some real, you know, real revelations. And, and I think the the number of people there, you know, there there, there are people from other festivals, there are people from, um, you know, BFI, from Mubi, from wherever. And hopefully, I'm sure they will pick up on on some of this stuff and pick up on the buzz around things. Um, and certainly, those film foundation restorations, um, if they come your way then then you know i would encourage everyone to watch them well thank you very much richard we'll end on that note i'm very uh sad and jealous <laughs> that i wasn't able uh to join you but perhaps next year thank you all very much for listening we are thinking a lot about film i'm jose i'm richard bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.